Good morning. Look at you up bright and early. That's right. I'm actually always up a little early, but uh, I'm not usually podcasting at 6 a.m. So that's the difference, you know. <laughs> There's a difference between being like way awake and reading a book and awake and uh, podcasting. Yes. Slight difference. It forces you to think through words and speak them mm-hmm. as opposed to just <laughs> absorb them. So how are you doing over there? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I just got back this past weekend from, uh, I think I texted you this, from MacStock mm-hmm. over in the Chicago, Illinois area, which is a conference that's held annually for people who are into Apple gear. And I'm into Apple gear. So to me, it only makes sense to go to MacStock. Is that a name like Woodstock? Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because the conference is held in Woodstock, Illinois. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So I get it. Uh, we say Chicago, but it's the, the little town that it's in is actually Woodstock, Illinois. So it's kind of a play on words, have fun with it sort of thing. Yeah, I went down as of as of this recording this past Friday, and it was an all-day Saturday, all-day Sunday, but I skipped out after lunch on Sunday so I could make it home before the girls went to bed, because it's what I do. And so, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. I, I went last year, and it's when you go the first time to a conference like that, it's always a little odd because you're trying to meet people. You don't really know most of the people there, it seems like. So it's always a little bit strange. But when you go back the next year, it's like, oh, yeah, we hung out last year. Let's let's get together and, you know, go do this thing. So it's it's kind of fun to go back. Is that something that you usually do? Do you typically go to conferences, or is this more of a rare event? Yeah, this is this is kind of the one that I do. Mike Schmitz, who's my co-host on Bookworm, got me into it last year. And I I don't typically get into them. This is simply one that it, it tends to fall into the genre of uh, the online world that I tend to follow. And it works out pretty well because it's, what is it, six hours away. Most of them are either on the, the West Coast or the East Coast, it seems. Yeah, I'm going to take advantage of that soon. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm jealous of you in that sense because it would be a lot easier to get to some of these if I was out there. Right. I think I would probably do more of them provided finances. Because most of the time I would be flying and it just gets expensive to do that. Like I would love to go to World Domination Summit, but timing and dollars and everything else just doesn't add up. So I pick and choose the ones I can go to. And right now that equals one per year, which is max stop. Do you enjoy the format of a conference? Do you like sitting in all the sessions or do you kind of find yourself getting a bit fatigued? Oh, kind of depends on the speaker. (laughs) Yeah. So... I I like I, I like the atmosphere for sure. There are a couple times that, uh, especially this past time, where there was a talk going on that I could get something out of, but I know ninety five percent of what they're going to say before they ever start. Yeah, just because I'm a very heavy Mac user for sure, and because of that, I would just skip out and go hang out with some friends, uh, grab a cup of coffee or something. And I I like the ability to do that. The thing about Mac stock is they're always experimenting with the format a little bit. Last year they did a lot of 20-minute sessions with like 5 and 10-minute breaks between them. And this year they they kind of sprinkled in some 40, 45-minute sessions, which was kind of interesting because they would let some folks go deeper on some of the topics. I don't know if they're going to do that again next year, but they're always playing with it to see what's the best format and adding to the overall conference. Like they did a swap meet this year so people would bring in old, 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 old Mac stuff <laughs> and you could just take whatever you wanted. So it was kind of fun to to go through some of that, but 
I like the conference format, especially if there are people there that I know. Yeah. Like the first time I ever get to go to World Domination Summit will be a bit odd because I'm betting most of the people there I won't know. But in sequential years, as you go back, it tends to add up. So there's something to be said for the camaraderie and the friendship that you build in doing that process. So I like the idea of it quite a bit. Logistics just get in the way of it <laughs> more often than not. So that's kind of where I land on it. Do you do you do conferences at all? It sounds like you, because you're over there, you would. I used to do conferences all the time for my work, actually. Okay. The nonprofit and church that I was a part of actually put on two or three conferences a year, and I would help put those on. So I kind of never veered out of the conferences that I was hosting yeah, because I that was sort of enough for me. So out, out of that, no, I haven't really done too many conferences, but I'd like to. I've always been really interested in stuff like XOXO, South by Southwest, and I'm also a music dude. And the fact that I'm in the same state that like Coachella is going on, I mean, sooner or later, I'm going to have to like get over there. <laughs> right. Although that's that's its own very strange thing. We're veering very, very far away from Mac stock when we're talking about Coachella. <laughs> that might be borderline opposite. <laughs> yeah, but just just saying, just saying. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to do some more some more stuff like that. I think the fun of a conference to me is just the environment change. There's something really special about getting out of the typical routine and getting into an environment that feels like everyone understands the context in which you're working. So it doesn't really matter to me if it's necessarily a work conference or just a conference about something that you really love. You're, you're surrounded by people that you know share the same passion that you do or the same like world that you do. And I think that really changes the game. So a few of the conferences that I've loved the most I've actually found are the ones that I haven't attended a lot of sessions. I've just been in the environment and I felt kind of charged up to do something a little bit different than I usually do, or maybe put a little more emphasis into something that I've been doing for a while. So it seems like that might be something that you kind of share with me if you're going to places where you know the people. And I'm looking at the schedule for Mac stock, and there's there's some really neat stuff. But at the same time, you are a proficient Mac user, so you probably don't need too much help in that sense. What you do need is a reminder that there's this like vibrant, thriving community of people that share a love for the same things that you love, which is a neat thing. It's interesting with conferences because you think about the the logistics of how you do it. You're, you're setting time aside. You're doing something out of the normal for you. Your, your routine is going to change. You're around new people, meeting new people, or you're meeting up with friends that you haven't talked to in a while, or you, know, you have conversations that you don't get to have regularly. Right. But the idea there is that you have a chance to step outside of your tip typical workday and your normal life in general. And because of that, it it almost serves as a bit of a reflection point, at least it does for me, where I get the chance to maybe reevaluate how I do things, think about my business in a little bit different light, see how other people are doing things in their business, which can impact how I do mine. And it, it tends to generate new ideas very heavily. Because of that, it tends to have a broader impact, much like with our, our book reading. Because of that, you're always bringing new ideas into your mind. You're always thinking about things differently, which then leads you to making more connections in a different way. And I, I just love the the way that that tends to happen from a conference. It, it, it's very similar to reading books, but it's more engaging because you have the back and forth with someone else. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. So that's what I know. I like conferences. <laughs> Was there anything 
Anything that you you feel like you learned or you took home from this particular one? Uh, this one was more philosophical for me, I guess, because I, I spent a fair amount of time reevaluating the direction that I take my online world. Hmm. And just making sure it's on the right path. I was painfully aware of what it is that I do in this process. It's kind of a weird way to say that. But I was thinking through, okay, I've got these podcasts. I've got like the Productivity Guild. I've got all these things going on from a development standpoint. Are all of these the right thing to do? And I'm still working through some of that, but I, it was at least a, an interesting revelation to work through that I need to reevaluate this. So I, I don't have the answers there. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had the answer there because then I would know exactly what to do next. But I know like certain things for sure, like I'm holding on to podcasts, I'm holding on to say like the Productivity Guild, but I'm kind of thinking through like, how does this affect some of my development work? And is that something I want to continue doing for myself or for clients, like that side of things? I I got some really cool ideas from some other people who work in the same space. So I I think in this particular case, the, the conference itself, the environment lent itself to that more so than any specific talk at the conference. Next year, I would love to try and get a ticket to AltConf. Oh, yeah. The alternative WWDC conference. I have no real interest in going to WWDC because it's one, very expensive, and two, I'm not a developer. But I would love to hang out in the same city, and now I'm not too far away. So that might happen sometime. I think this time they started off the conference by playing that uh, documentary app, The Human Story. Oh, right. Which I've really wanted to see for a while. So there's really cool stuff like that. you know. And I I think that's part of it for me, is like, especially in regards to the technology community, the Apple community, it's a very specific thing to go to a conference for. Because yeah, you either go to a conference that's like teaching you how to do the things, or you're going to a conference that's putting you in the same place as the people that love the same thing that you do. And I think I'm definitely more interested in the latter than the former. And something like a WWDC type conference really seems to be the place to go for that kind of thing. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see what I end up doing in the future. But I, I love the fact that they exist. And I really like the fact that they exist so in, in such proliferation that you're able to go to one not too far from where you are, you know, in Woodstock. That's that's neat that it's not just whittled down to a single conference in a single place every year. Right. There's plenty of people that love the same things that we do. And it means that there's there's plenty of places to go. Does this seem like conferences are becoming more popular? I think so. I think there's more and more coming up. Yeah, and I mean, as someone who has put on many conferences myself, I could attest to the fact that, one, they are a lot of work, but two, there's always an audience if you have some sort of interesting idea. There's something about a conference that really gives you a shot in the arm to keep going and maybe push further than you would have without it. I think we kind of need these these markers in the year to re-energize us and reinvigorate us in regards to the things that we love. And conferences are just a perfect way of doing that. There's something that I've always wanted to do, and this is maybe going to sound kind of crazy, but I just love the idea of it. And that is someday, someday, Joe, this is what I'm, I'm going to do is whenever I have some idea that I really want to work on or a, a small team of people that, that are all kind of coming around the same thing and we're all trying to figure something out, I want to very badly go on a cruise with them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever, ever heard of that, but I mean, this is kind of like a thing, like a working cruise. And it, it's, it's something that I I think I've heard quite a few people say they've had great success with. I've never been on a cruise, so I hope that I don't get seasick whenever I do do it. 
<laughs> but um, I've heard that like the reason for that is because somewhere like a big giant boat that's out in the middle of nowhere that has no internet but has plenty of food is a perfect place to get to work because all of the things that would typically distract you don't and all of the things that you need for living like food and a bed are there provided ready to go at any moment and so it just kind of is this perfect space for like really really getting deep into the weeds in something that's important to you and I love that idea like I just think that's so cool because I think that one of the biggest challenges that we face today is like just distraction in any form I I know that I've been facing that recently I've been trying to work on a personal project and I can go days without working on it because I'll set aside an hour for it and then that hour will just get swallowed up in other work or errands or doing something or I'll I'll say oh Wednesday's going to be a perfect day to do that and then it won't be a perfect day to do it and I won't do it Uh, and so you really need to find like a space to actually get some stuff done sometimes and I don't know I feel like there's a similarity in a conference for a lot of people I, I know that I feel that way where I think man I might not be doing a lot of work the weekend of the conference but I know that it's going to make me ready to do the work when I get back home and I think maybe that that's where some of the power is as far as conferences go when it's just a, a community that you feel a kinship with I've never heard of this whole working cruise thing but that's, that <laughs> sounds really interesting yeah man <laughs> I've had crunch weeks where we've had a lot of work to do and you know sometimes you have to take an idea from nothing to something as quickly as possible and when you think about weeks like that where you're working with a team and you're trying to really get some stuff done the big problems the big things that keep that from happening are one stopping for food and different things like that and then two like picking it back up the next day without feeling the fatigue of yesterday or just the lethargy of not wanting to do it again and so being somewhere like on a cruise boat really changes the entire atmosphere and allows you to just really push past some of those problems. And I don't know, it just, it sounds like a really fun idea. So I'm totally going to do it someday and it's going to be great. There was a cool conference that I just saw. Do you follow Sean Blanc? I do. Like every site he decides to come up with, I subscribe to like before I even know what it is. (laughs) Yeah, I'm right there with you. And he just went to a cool looking conference that was called, I'm going to find it. Oh, Craft and Commerce. Did you hear about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I I saw the thing come across my feed, but I didn't. It's like in my Insta paper at the moment. I haven't gone through it yet. Yeah, he he went to this conference. It was called Craft and Commerce. It was hosted by ConvertKit, and it seemed like it had a really amazing lineup of speakers. Seth Godin was a speaker, which I mean that that's incredible. I really am a huge fan of Seth Godin. I'd love to see him in person sometime. That's that's like the right there's the reason to go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and he said that the whole conference was sort of like the war of art the conference and I I think I messaged him and I said like well that's the best pitch line for any conference I've ever heard (laughs) I love that book so much yeah there was this talk that he wrote some notes about by a guy named James Clear and his notes were were pretty short he he sort of did this awesome blog I'll link to it where he went through some of his favorite talks and just put his his notes on them Um, but James Clear's talk was called get one percent better every day and obviously I didn't hear the talk I just saw these notes but This guy's sort of premise, it seems to me, is look, every day your job, if you're trying to do something creative or or productive, is to form a habit and then get better at that habit. And the four stages of doing that are noticing that you want to make the habit, wanting to make some sort of 
change or impact in an environment that you care about doing. So starting on that habit and then liking, which he was saying is an important thing because any repeat behavior has to be like a gratifying behavior. And I don't know, it's just one of those things where as soon as I read that, that really kind of made an impact in my mind and and started changing the way that I was thinking about a few of the things that I was doing. And I didn't even hear the talk, you know, I just saw the notes for the talk. And I think that's what's so neat about conferences. And, and just talking with people that you know have the same interests that you do. If you go to a conference that's about the Mac, you know that you're going to hear people talk about the Mac. And you might hear someone talk about Spotlight, and you know how to use Spotlight. But the way that they talk about Spotlight is going to turn on some light bulbs in your brain. And I think that's like that, that's just the really special thing. And I think that we're, we're looking for that. That's why you and I are both here talking right now, is because there's something really beneficial that comes from communicating with a person that has the same mindset that you do. Or or a similar mindset from a different vantage point or a different perspective. And I just love it. And again, this is this is what we talked about last week and we might talk about a bit more this week is I am this person that has this high love of input and that's one of my biggest strengths is, is taking input and, and utilizing it in my own way. So I'm constantly searching for something to learn to implement in my own life. And man, I mean, conferences are like that on steroids, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're all looking for that whole relational connection piece. I don't think that's a secret to anybody. And you can have that connection better when it's someone who has the same interests as you. It's interesting to see a lot of like what Sean saw at uh, this conference that he went to because he's taking the notes and sharing what he got out of it, which then leads us to connecting with him a little bit more. Maybe it's a one-sided connection at that point. And we can start to reap the benefits of what he got out of the conference, even though we weren't there. So it, it then makes you want to go the next time and like, Sean, well, let's talk about this. Like, you can see how this connection starts to build. And the more that you do that, the more these ideas and and interesting concepts that you can start to derive uh, into your own mind, which is very interesting and very helpful when you're in a creative space, for sure. Because then you and I can start to use it on blogs and forums, and we start using it in a lot of other ways, which then leads us to connecting with even more people. And you see how the cycle continues from there. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever find yourself like watching talks or conference talks, even if you're not there or is it more of a I gotta be there type thing for you? Uh, that's a good question. I tend to watch them, yes. Uh, and I always wish I hit, could see it in person because I know it's a lot different. You know, if you watch a TED Talk, if you ever get the chance, and I haven't, I've only been around talks very similar to that. I know that if you go watch those talks in person, it's, it feels a lot different. Even though you're getting the same words and you're getting technically the same quote-unquote experience, it's still different. Like there's something very different about seeing talks in person versus watching the video of them. So I do watch videos of these and I definitely learn things from them. They're very motivational, but you don't have the culture around it. And I feel like the culture around it is a lot of what you're paying for. And to me, that's the part that's highly valuable. So that's, to me, that's again, that's why I love these. I love going to conferences. I just don't get to do it very often. But it's that culture that I feel like has a lot of the the relational connection piece that we keep talking about. It's worth it, but you don't get it when you do the videos. Right. But I will watch the videos just because (laughs) I'm pining to go. Yeah, it's better than nothing. <laughs> right, right. If I can't be there, I might as well do it secondhand. I am uh, I'm a major advocate of conferences. There should be more of them. Maybe we'll start one someday, Joe. There you go. And we'll have to go on a cruise to figure it out. The cruise conference. Oh, my gosh. Let's please. <laughs> Let us please join these two beautiful ideas together. <laughs> 
at some point we wanted to talk about strengths, and I know that one of mine is that uh, I, I'm a learner. You know, if you follow the strengths finder thing, mm-hmm. like I am, I, I fall into that category very easy because I just love learning about things. Like I can tell you a lot about blacksmithing. I've never done blacksmithing. I've never <laughs> been in that world, never had my hands on any of that, but I can tell you a lot about it. Mm. And there are a number of areas like that. It's like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder how they, and then the next thing I know, I've spent two hours watching YouTube videos on it. But that's something that I tend to do a lot. And when there's a topic that interests me in like how to run a business or how do you become more productive on this and how do you develop the mindset to do this the right way, if I get fascinated by it, I have a tendency to go binge watch or look up or research. So I know that researching things and and figuring out how they work, that's something I'm big on. So when you get conferences that they, they record the video and they make the video available, I tend to, if I'm going to watch them, I will watch all of them and in a very short time frame, which is good and bad at the same time. So you said that you're a learner, huh? Last week we talked about the strengths finders, which is such a hard thing for me to say in earnest. I always want to say strength finder, but it's strengths finder. Always fun. Yeah. Always fun to, to, to say aloud many times over. I always screw it up. Sometimes I screw it up intentionally. <laughs> okay, good to know. Yeah. You said that you had the book. That doesn't surprise me. You kind of have a lot of books. But you yes. you you had never taken the test. You just had the the Strength Finder 2.0 book around or something like that. Yeah. So my wife went through it at one point. Ah, uh, okay. And so she has, she's taken the test and she's done all the things. I have not taken the test, but I have been through, like I've read through and skimmed through all of these different things. And I have for a while known what I feel like are my five that they come up with. Again, I've not taken the technical test, so. It's based on your intuition. Yeah, I'm going off of what I know about myself because I tend to, and and I think even you called this out, like I tend to be very self-aware on how I do things and what, what I tend to do and how I think. So I, I was flipping through it last night and again this morning. I was like, yep, that one. Yep, that one. Yep, that one. Nope, nope, nope. Yep, yep, nope. <laughs> like I was doing that whole thing. And when I got done, there were five that I was like, absolutely. So that works out well. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to say those are my five. Yeah. Uh, the, the really cool thing about the Strengths Finder to me is that they've done a really great job of spreading the concept of strengths out into some really diverse themes, which you might not typically see as strengths. So if anyone is listening and is interested, you can just go online and and find a list of the actual strengths. I think there's 34. There might be more at this point. I know they've they've kind of added a couple as time has gone on, I think. Um, but if you if you want, you can buy the book and get a code and go on the website and take the test. And I recommend people do that if you're really interested in learning more about yourself. But if you just kind of want to get a, a sense of bearing of how to harness your own personality that you know you have. Uh, it might just be beneficial to just look at the list and and kind of see what 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 strikes you. And so that's what I told Joe to do yesterday. And you've done that. And learner is a is a great example of something that is very Joe to me. <laughs> yeah. So that 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 yeah. makes sense. That you you have this desire to. I think it's like not only learn but improve. And so you're always going to get in that process of learning. So okay, here's here's a question: Is 
has that ever been a weakness for you? Are there certain times where you spent a lot of time learning and not a whole lot of time implementing what you've learned? <laughs> yes, this can be a problem and very quickly because if I'm trying to make a decision on what I'm going to do as far as my business goes, like I was talking about earlier, like, okay, well, how do I want to handle all this client stuff? Well, I have this tendency to want to go learn all of the intricate details of what each alternative is. This is this is partially why I've developed a pretty good uh, intuitive call uh, just in my own mind. Like I'm pretty good at making decisions on what businesses should or shouldn't do, especially when it's some of my clients and they're trying to make a decision for their small business. Should I do this or that? Like as far as do I do physical products? Do I do software only? Like some of those things, I can instantly tell you what you should or shouldn't do. But when it comes to my own, I tend to want to know even more about that, even though <laughs> I I could, if someone else came to me and explained it the exact same way I'm explaining it, I would instantly know what to do, but I still want to go <laughs> research it more yeah. to figure it out. So yeah, it can be, it can be a problem. But without that strength of learning, bookworm wouldn't exist. And Correct. A, lo- a lot of projects that you do wouldn't exist. Maybe, maybe none of the projects that you do in the way that they exist today would exist. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. And one of the, so it's not on my top five, but one of those, one of the strengths that's borderline is activator which is essentially getting things started. And part of the reason I say that is because whenever I'm learning about something, I know and I'm very aware that I learn best if I do something, if I actually get my hands on it and work with it. So I have this tendency to start things just to see what what it is all about, like how does it actually work and do I like doing that? And I just want to know more about it. So I have that tendency to start things just to see how it's going to go and see if I can do the thing at, at all. That's kind of how I got into doing some screencasts. I just kind of dabbled with it a little bit because I was like, I wonder how you could do that. Like, how do people do screencasts and how do they make the, all the call outs and stuff on that? How do they show keyboard shortcuts? Like, I got interested in that. So I was like, I just let me just try one. So I ended up recording a screencast. And the next thing I know, I've gotten into screencasting and then I built a whole course on OmniFocus using screencasts. So like, it, it does have some benefits and it can lead to some positives. But at the same time, it means that I have to be very good about killing projects because because you start them every day <laughs> yes I, i've got a hundred projects i've kicked off yeah i think that when we first talked however long ago that was maybe a year ago you you mentioned a few projects that i have not heard of since then and i think that that's actually a, a great thing because that means that you were able to you know kill that in the process of actually honing in and the things that were working for you right you know, that, that's not something that a lot of people can do. It's it's hard to kill the things that you've you've spent a lot of time on. But if you know I'm the kind of person that just spends a lot of time on everything, then you have to know that some of those things aren't going to turn out, and that's that's okay. I think that's that's even there's there's something about that that I think is particularly hard, no matter how good at that you get, because that's just is a challenge of creative projects. It's something that I've been really trying to uh, grapple with over the last year myself. Is I just don't really want to fail, and part of that actually we can we can relate to the strength finder again strengths gosh i'm never gonna say it right joe i'm just gonna <laughs> give up on it yeah too bad you can't do like a, a search and replace on audio. yeah no it's just it just is what it is the the strengths finder I'm an achiever. And that just means that I take a lot of pride in the work that I do and a lot of satisfaction in in just the process of being busy and productive and achieving something. And so it's hard for me to work on something, put it out in the world and get no response or, or feel like it failed. 
But I mean, you just kind of, you kind of have to get used to that if you want to create anything. There's no way that 100% of the projects that you ever work on are going to be great successes, you know? So I don't know, it's, it's, it's challenging. And I think that you have to know enough about your own personality to wrestle with those moments of self-doubt or those moments where your own personality kind of comes back to bite you. Yeah, I know that like a couple of mine float around like a, the futuristic ideation thing, which of course are no surprises if you know me at all. And because I have those that come with this, it, it means that I tend to look forward to the future on what could be. I'm always coming up with what could the next thing be. And I, I'm also aware from a business standpoint that whenever you come up with something new, especially in the world I work in with, you know, if I'm going to build out a forum or I'm going to build some software, I don't expect any of that stuff to just take off immediately. Because of that, I'm just aware of what could this be in the future if I do something consistently and on a, a regular schedule what does it look like in one year? So I have a pretty good sense of what the the end product can be as a result of that and we'll work on it up into that point. Now, granted, I also know where it should be along the way. And if it's way behind on where it should be along the way, that's when I tend to kill things off. If it's just not going to get anywhere, yeah. I launch something and one person shows interest in it. That's not a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes total sense. And I think that's you really being self-aware enough about your own personality to to deal with the the strengths and weaknesses of your inner person and you know use them use them to your advantage one of the biggest like moments that i've had personally in this regard is um it's actually in relation to a conference which is kind of funny <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> yeah. One of these strengths that I, I early on learned about myself is that I am an achiever. And that's actually like, I think we think we talked about it before. There's a test called the Enneagram. And that is my primary personality type on that test. It's one of my top five strengths in the strength finders. It just is very, very much who I am. And um, years ago, I was asked to record a conference and I said yes to it. And basically, I was part of the staff meeting. This guy was going to go up to the conference and, and give a talk and ask me to record it. And the whole thing was basically like, hey, we're doing this other conference the next day. Can you record it and then have it up so we can just play that talk at the conference? And I said, yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare to me. <laughs> yeah, you you already get where this is this is going, right? And um, it was in Orlando. I live in Tampa. That's about two hours away. They asked me, people were you know saying, oh, can I help you in any, any way? Is there anything that I can do to help? I was like, oh, no, I should be fine. Can we offer you somewhere to stay? No, I'll be fine. Can, you know, can we do all this stuff? And, and I just basically rejected it all, not even thinking about it. Right. And said yes to everything that was asked of me, not even thinking about it. And I got to this conference and it was just one of those things where everything that could go wrong went wrong. The video didn't turn out as well as I wanted it to. The audio and the video were out of sync when I did get it working. Uh, and then I, at that time, was was working off of an older MacBook Pro that had a little bit of a storage space issue. <laughs> and then I put it all on and I was rendering the video and I was running out of storage space. And, and then this is, this is where it even gets crazier is I had a friend that lived in Orlando and that's why I, I had rejected the offer to stay somewhere because I was like, oh, I can just crash at my friend's place. And I went to my friend's place and I guess at that night his roommate was having a bachelor party at his house. <laughs> Uh, and so I was trying to do all of this work while a bachelor party was going on in the room outside of mine. And oh my gosh, man, it was just this nightmare of a night where I realized that me being an achiever and me saying yes to everything is is great when it works, but it's terrible when it doesn't work. And that was one of those nights where just it didn't work. And I had to recognize that ability to like kind of come to the end of my own personality and rely on others or just make 
logical decisions, you know, that weren't um, <laughs> totally based in like uh, the fantasy land of what I thought I could actually accomplish. And so, I don't know, I think as as like terrible as that night was, I needed that moment to realize how to be a better person and how to honestly be a better achiever because i by the way just fyi i got it done by god did i get it Woo-hoo. done but i got it done at the like the last possible moment i was i never slept that night the video downloaded for the next morning five minutes before it had to play like uh, it was just <laughs> comedy of errors but it did it did work so I, and honestly maybe if it would have failed i would have learned even more from it but hey i'm happy that it happy that it worked there you go but you know we we need we need to know our strengths so that we also know the end of our strengths and can kind of understand when we need help from others or when we need to take a step back from what we might feel the impulse to do. And that's true for my strength of input as well. This whole concept of input as a strength just means that I'm constantly looking for information. It's similar to to yours, Joe, of learning in the sense that, you know, I'm wanting to know more. But I think where yours is like, I want to learn more. For me, uh, input is even weirder where it's kind of like, I just want to know more, period. I just like information. And I, I like <laughs> there's there's no intent there. Yeah, I like collecting it. So, yeah, here's a question for you. So w- with my learning thing, it feels like I tend to do that with the purpose behind it. Like I have something I want to do with that. With your input, is that is it primarily the same thing just without the purpose, like without an intent to use it? Is that the difference between those two? Because I feel like they could be very similar, like they could overlap very easily. Yeah, I think that maybe a good way of saying it is that I think that anything that I learn is going to be important at some later date. And I'm I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Like, I mean, it's, it's the same thing with articles, why I always want to be able to reference anything that I read is because I think, oh, well, I might need that at a later date. And so it's kind of like I'm a squirrel storing away nuts for the winter in that sense of of always trying to archive the data that I'm collecting because I just want to amass the, the greatest possible trove of data that I can possibly get my hands on. So yeah, it's like I think the difference is maybe with a learner, you're interested in the process of learning. So you, you think of a thing and you think, oh, I want to learn about that. Where for input, it's more like, no, I, I I just want to find a new piece of input today. So I'll, I'll pick up, I mean, I'm reading a book right now. It's called On Trails. And this is a book on, on hiking. And I don't I don't, I don't, don't want to hike the Appalachian. I have no interest in doing that. I don't even like hiking that much. But I read the book and I picked up the book <laughs> because it just sounded interesting. And it's a different perspective. And I like different perspectives. And I like information on different, you know. So it's like that for me, where it's just this kind of general desire to know more, regardless of whether or not it's actually going to help me or not. I just I just kind of want to know. <laughs> Yeah, so does the does the input thing ever get in the way of your achiever? I, I feel like there's potential for those two to conflict. Yeah, totally. At some point. And, and that's actually one of the things that I've been doing right now is, I mean, Twitter is one of the biggest sources of input that I've ever had in my life. And it's one of the reasons that I love it so much. I mean, I can literally check it at any time, at any point in the day, and there will be a new piece of input there for me. But if I just spend all day on Twitter, I'm not going to get anything done. And if I spend all day collecting input, I'm not going to actually be able to focus in on the things that I actually care about, that the things I should actually be spending time on. So that's the thing for me is that I've had 
try to, as time goes on, really recognize that this desire to have all of the information is almost like a passive thing that just is always going to be happening in my brain. So I don't need to focus on it. I'm always going to be reading something new or finding something new or looking at something new. So to spend my active time looking for it is kind of a waste because I should be spending it elsewhere. So that's that's where I've been lately. And I'm really trying to find the right rhythm. That's why I was asking you a while ago about how you take notes in books is because I, I want to find a better process for myself that I can just settle on and not have to worry about anymore. As opposed to trying to keep every word that I've ever read in archive, I think I'd rather just whittle that down to the, the things that I find very important to me. Um, and I'm still trying to find those systems, but I'm really trying to like harness that input and and make it work for me as opposed to working for it, if that makes sense. It does. And that's, I think, why like my system with books probably doesn't work for you because I'm coming at it differently. Like I'm trying to learn the thing. Like I'm trying to absorb how they're doing things and how that can impact me. I'll make a few notes here and there and I may memorize some things with that. I may come back to it a little later, but I'm not going to, like I'm not after a ton of long-term cold storage with that because I've already accomplished what I intended to accomplish by finishing the book and processing it at that point. Yeah, I don't really go back to it probably near as much as what you're trying to do. Honestly, that was part of why I never liked Evernote was I was like, oh man, I could get lost in Evernote for days. (laughs) I could start bookmarking every page and adding it all in and I could go crazy with this. And honestly, it's like too much. I I knew that that was going to be problematic. So I kind of shied away from it. At the same time, you know, it's like I I really am thankful for that strength of input and I know that it makes me me and that there are certain things that I do in a certain perspective that I have because of the input that I have. And my writing style is based on the input of others and I'm always reading something and wanting to to bring my own perspective to it or I'm always um, watching something and and wanting to, to think about what that really meant to me or some significance that a movie might have that others might not have seen in it. So it just is who I am, but I just know that I need to be able to not let it control my life in a way that's inhibiting my productivity or or just my my general well-being. And I mean, just as like, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I just have to live with the reality that like computers aren't there yet as far as like I want them to be. <laughs> yep. When it comes to input, I, I would love a system where I could type in a word and then it would search everything that I've ever read. And it would not only search for the word, but like similar words and understand my context and all of that, but it doesn't. So then I just get frustrated when I'm trying to find something and I can't find it because it wasn't the exact word that I thought it was or something like that. So... So what does that gain you? Like, say you say you could do that. All right, let, let, let's go into future land here. So let's say that you read physical books, you read digital books, doesn't matter. Everything that you ever read is auto-archived in some way. Like, you don't have to do anything. It's just auto-archived. And you could search that archive by whatever you wanted, via voice or via text. You can search it. What do you get out of that? Like, I, I, I from my standpoint, I'm like, okay, that's really cool. That's a fun thing to be able to do. And yeah, I could, you know, on a whim, pull up anything I ever recall from that. But the times that I want to do that seem fairly rare. And maybe that's just me. But does what does that gain you? Say you could do that. Yeah. When you, when you say it out loud, Joe, you make me sound kind of crazy. <laughs> but but I'm not crazy. And I'll tell you why that is. The reason that we read and we learn and we listen to talks and we do all that stuff is, in a sense, often to be made better for it. And for me personally, I know that what I feel like I'm supposed to do, what I feel good at, what I feel passionate about is sharing that with other people. 
So in, in a way, I feel very much like a teacher. In past roles, I've always kind of taken on a teacher perspective, either on a team, helping other people learn new processes, or um, just in a community, helping people learn new information. And so that's the perspective that I'm coming from, is I learned a really great thing, and I want other people to be able to learn something from what I've learned. And I know that that thing that I learned is also related to this other thing that I learned. And that thing that I learned is related to this thing that I learned. And, you know, the, the fun of of learning for me is in part understanding the deep web of connections that everything has. And right now those connections are obscured and obfuscated in a way that makes it very hard to understand sometimes. And I don't know if you know um, Maria Popova, I think is how you say her name. Oh yeah, I have brain pickings. I've followed her for a long time. Yeah, I mean, that is like what she's kind of made a life out of, and she's she's really exceptional at it, is she'll basically make these really incredible connections between things. I, I think that I heard an interview with her once where she said that what she would basically do is, when, when she first started out, was she would read a book, and then that book would reference another book, and then she would immediately put that book down and go pick up the other book. And then she would find a reference in that book to another book, and she would go put that book down and pick up another book, and she would keep this meticulous kind of web of connections, and then bring those to to life, you know, write write her own post about that, or 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 show those connections in some interesting way, and people love it, and that that is just something that I feel very much of a, a kinship with. <laughs> she does it much better than I do it. Um, she's made a whole website out of it, a whole career out of it, and that's what I would love. And it just doesn't exist. And of course, I mean, I'm saying all this, and I I could make it happen. I can I could hack together systems now, um, but it just isn't quite what I would want it to be. And that that's okay. I mean, it just is what it is and I have to be able to utilize the tools that I have today to make the input that I have as as maximized as possible but someday Joe will be in a in a beautiful utopia of input <laughs> well the first thing I thought of is you need a way to jump from thing to thing to create those connections one of the things Maria does that's so interesting is that if you look through her articles whenever she writes those they're like loaded with links back to other articles and she has has over many years at this point created this really deep web of books and articles that tie together because of those links. And that's what I was thinking of. You almost need some tool that lets you, via hyperlinks, tie a lot of this information together, which, of course, makes me start, you know, with the futuristic ideation thing. My brain starts running very fast <laughs> with tools and how could you do this? But you've tried a lot of these things, Drew. Yeah, there was there was a really cool product, and I, I just typed in what I thought was the URL, and it is broken. So either it doesn't exist anymore or... You dreamed it up. Yeah, or I made it up, which... <laughs> Which is, which is possible because I'm clearly obsessed. There was like a project to try and annotate the entire web, basically saying, hey, what if we just had this plugin that ran in your browser that lets you highlight any page or link any page to any page, and it would sort of be your own extra layer of annotation on top of the internet itself. And I love that idea, and I think that that was sort of one of these ideas that was just before its time, but that's going to be something that happens more and more as time goes on, is we're each going to have sort of our own personal version of the internet. And instead of taking notes in some note app, we're probably just going to take notes wherever it makes the most sense for us. Um, I could very easily see 
the iPad as time goes on, really utilizing the concept of being able to write on the iPad screen. And, you know, you're just, you're browsing the web, you see something you like, you circle it, and all of a sudden that circle is just this permanent thing that exists on that page for you and only you. And we're probably going to see more of that stuff as time goes on, in my opinion. But again, we're not at that point. You need to find this tool that, that you're talking about because yeah, I'm sitting here writing this down. Like, that web. sounds really interesting. You're You're tying into my strengths here. This is not fair. But I, I, I'm sitting here thinking, huh, that doesn't sound complicated to build. Hmm. Yeah, the problem is that no one's going to use it. Okay, is it, here we go, I found it. I thought it was called Annotate, but it's called Hypothesis. Hmm. And it still exists, which is great. They say, we're a nonprofit on the mission to bring an open conversation over the whole web. Use Hypothesis right now to hold discussions, read socially, organize your research, and take personal notes. So you can check it out there. Um, And I remember seeing this years ago. I don't know how long it's been around, but I remember this was quite a while ago. And in earnest, this, this website looks quite a bit better than it did before. Yeah, it's basically the ability for you to annotate any page and then collaboratively share those annotations with other people and search them, which by God, you know, that's what I'm all about is the ability to search. <laughs> hey, maybe I should give this a try again. I'm going to say this looks like it's fairly like this is thought through and it's well built. It looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's doing well. 2013 was the time that they they founded this. So they've been working on it for a good bit. So I, I might I might re-download this plugin and, and give it a try. <laughs> There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Because I'm sitting here thinking, huh, that sounds like a really interesting idea. It's odd that no one has done this. Oh, well, this this is the problem is I think that no one's done this because no one actually cares. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean that totally seriously. Like this just isn't a thing that people think about. When, when my wife reads an article online, she doesn't think, oh, I better archive this for later. She reads it and then never thinks of it again. And that's the way that normal people deal with the internet and deal with anything that they come across. <laughs> And I mean, that's fine. Like, that's not their problem. That's just a different way of using the internet. And honestly, I mean, I feel like I've seen that in the way that people are even writing today is sometimes there's this this sort of emphasis on today's material and the discarding of yesterday's material. And I, I, I don't like that. I love the idea that everything should be permanent and meaningful outside of the bubble of a day or two, but that's not necessarily the way that things go. So yeah, I mean, nobody, if, if people aren't desperate for the ability to annotate the entire web they're not gonna that's not gonna take off but i know that for me personally it's something that matters so i need to kind of make it fit in my own workflow coming back to strengths finder i i want to something i've always wanted to know is what percentage of the population are each of these mm, that's good yeah like i would be very interested in that because then you can start looking at like okay well what percentage of the population is a high input and how many people think this way because like I, for one businesses would love this and I, for one i would love that because then i could start building things around that like that's where my mind goes with it but it would be yeah. very interesting to know like okay well how many people have the strength of em- empathy like how many people have that and, and how many people are restorative? You know, the whole problem-solving thing. Like, how many people have those? Because then you can start to, to build some of this mental web of what are the chances of people thinking this way and how can you pull groups of people together? Like, it's, it's just interesting to me. I, I would love to know that. I know it's likely very impossible to know that, but I, I would have a high interest in that data. They actually 
posted the most the the top five and the least five. You want to hear them? Yes. The five most common are achiever, responsibility, learner, relator, and strategic. And the five least common are command, self-assurance, significance, discipline, and context. Kind of interesting. Hmm. That is interesting. I'm like none of those except learner. Learner, yeah. And I'm I'm achiever and I have the significance strength. Uh, yeah, I think those are the two that I would have here. But interesting. That's actually pretty pretty amazing. Well, I think that there is a bias here of yes. people that actually take the test. <laughs> One of the, the least common was discipline. Yeah, discipline. But those folks are taking the test because they can't figure out why they can't do anything. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I like that a lot. Uh, but yeah, that, that's interesting. I think that you're right. And that that's why I love of these these tests is not necessarily because we we all like I, I don't think that the whole world should be mandated to take these but if you work in a team it's so great to know not only your own strengths but the strengths of others just so that you can know how to rely on other people and what what you're going to be bringing to the table yourself um so that's why i really like this kind of stuff i think it's i think it's good yeah i i feel like this is one of those that it it's always helpful to go over it again I guess, you know, I feel like I know myself pretty well, but there's always another level that you haven't thought about. Like, it's impossible to know yourself perfectly. Right. And I know that going through something like this is always a benefit. Uh, again, I'm a learner. I like to know. <laughs> so I, I, thankfully, one of the, the ways that that plays out is learning about myself and paying attention to that and knowing how to, to sense when I am headed down one path that's either good or bad. You know, one of them that I haven't really talked about is empathy. And I, I tend to notice little things on how other people are feeling about something. I have a very intuitive call with that. That's not something I've ever worked on or built. It's just always come naturally to me. And it, it's interesting to me how that, maybe more fascinating than anything, is I somehow can sense, this is going to get kind of weird, but I can somehow sense how I'm feeling myself in a situation. It's almost like separating the emotion from the thought, which is very odd. It, it almost falls into the meditative world. Maybe that's why I struggle with meditation so much, because I do it a lot <laughs> and don't realize it and just call it something different. Interesting. But I, I tend to sense how I'm feeling about a situation as it happens. And I can't say that I can control that or I often don't react to it well enough, but it, it's something that I'm very aware of and, and notice. It's something that I, I have learned that it, it has a big benefit in whenever I'm interacting, especially in a difficult situation, because I know that if I say things a certain way, someone is going to get upset. So I don't want to say them that way. So I tend to play out scenarios in my mind very quickly. So tying the whole learner empathy thing together, I'm very aware that going through things like this even on a regular basis, you know, I, even if you do something like every month or every quarter or something like that, it, it always has a benefit because there's always another level that you can pick up about yourself, which is another reason that I get into books so much because the more I can learn about how someone else is thinking and the more I see how they find something about themselves, the more I can do that with myself. So I, I like that a lot. This kind of conversation is why I think the the Strengths Finder is such an interesting test is just because it's, it's good to know not only the way that you work, but the way that others work. And now when I think of you and I think of the work that you'll do, I, I'll think of them through the lens of learner and empathy and all the different things that you are, which is which is good because it gives me a better understanding of the angle that you're coming from when you do a certain task.
risk. And that's what I think is really neat is that you and I could have the same thing that we're trying to accomplish, but we might have different reasons for wanting to accomplish it. We might have different ways of wanting to accomplish it. We might have different products at the end of trying to accomplish it. And it's because of that unique nature that makes us up. And, you know, and by God, you know that if you need to find some obscure text from 20 years ago, I can probably dig it up with my weird input. (laughs) (laughs) And if I want to know some very obscure, interesting process of how to learn something, you you probably know how to do that, too. What did you say it was? Was it blacksmithing? Yes. Yeah. So blacksmithing, like part of the issue with that is I used to be a welder on the farm. So I'm familiar with working with metal. So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop. I'll go down a long bunny trail here.